Oftentimes, we can get to a place of complacency in the church. We can be very comfortable where we are, but God has challenged us as believers in the body of Christ to step out of our comfort zone and expand His kingdom. This series is about submitting to God's will and vision for the church, being completely dedicated, heart and soul. Hi everybody, I'm Liz Corbett. Um, To me, heart and soul at Connection means willingness. It's willing to realize that Sundays aren't about me. It's about sharing the love of Christ to those that walk in the door, those that love Christ and those that have no idea who he is. Willingness to serve out of the passion for Christ and not drudgery. It's getting excited about the blessing and the opportunity to be here on Sunday mornings and to serve. And it's not that, oh, i got to get up early again to go to church. It's willing to move out of my comfort zone. It's willing to volunteer, to do whatever's left over, not just the things that I enjoy, not the things that I get excited about, but willing to volunteer for what nobody else in the world wants to do. A great example of that is Andy Russett. We got here um, to Statesboro High, and without a word said, she got it all together and decided that we needed to make sure the bathrooms were cleaned before and after church. And for years, she has done that all by herself. It's willing to be transparent. It's willing to be real, to share life with others and not dress your life up to come to church and not expecting anyone else to do it. Heart and soul is willing to do whatever is necessary to help somebody. It's taking the shirt off your back to give to somebody else and not telling a soul. Because here at Connection, it's not about self-recognition. It's about the recognition of Christ in the church. And it's also willingness to be bold. At Connection, we're so blessed to have a pastor that doesn't just talk the talk, but he lives his life as a walking the walk. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Brandon Williams is perfect, because he's not. But I can guarantee you this, that he preaches by the word, but he leads by example, and I have seen it over and over for years. But more than anything, heart and soul is willingness to listen to the voice of God, to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit, putting it all on the table, holding nothing back, and having the faith and trust in God for everything. This is our last Sunday um, for heart and soul, and the scripture that um, we were given today um, is this. Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tartar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then there is nothing they plan to do that will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse their language so so that they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it's called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them 
over the face of the whole earth. And let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for loving us in spite of us. Thank you for sending your perfect son into an imperfect world just so that we could be with you. Thank you for each of the person, each of the people here, Lord. May you speak to their hearts. May each of us leave here changed. And Lord, I pray that you give us eyes to see you, ears to hear you, a mouth to praise you, hearts and feet to follow your direction, and a heart to love you and to love others. And most of all, we thank you for Connection Church and all you've done and all you're going to do. In your precious name, amen. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. What a great day, right? What an awesome time to be able to celebrate um, Jesus, to be able to celebrate the stories of those people who have been impacted by Jesus and to be able to celebrate um, the fact that because of his faithfulness in the past, we have great hope for the future and what God wants to do and what Jesus is going to do in our midst. In fact, I believe today that God desires to do incredible things right here, right now, um, as we celebrate not just the Connection Church, but the fact that we are a part of the church because of what Jesus did on the cross, the fact that he took our sin, took God's wrath upon him so that we don't have to. He died or lived a life we couldn't live and died a death that we should have died, and yet God um, raised him from the dead, and he promises to do the same for us who believe. And so what an awesome day to celebrate those things, to be a part of that. Um, at the end of the service, after the service is over, we're going to go outside and we're going to have baptisms. That's going to be incredible. Um, I hope you'll stay around, have some food with us, um, and celebrate uh, this tangible representation of a spiritual reality as people identify themselves with Jesus publicly. As they go under the waters of baptism and as they come up, here's the thing that I would challenge you with as we, as we talk today, as we go through the message today, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 11 verses 1 through 9. This is what I would challenge you with. I would challenge you to open your heart because today may be the day for you to give your life to Christ, right? It may be the day for you to come to saving faith in Jesus as Jesus draws you to himself. For some of you, your next step is your first step and it's receiving Jesus as your savior, making him the Lord of your life. For some of you today, your next step is to be baptized. And it's to go under the waters and come up celebrating the new identity, the new life, the new creature that you've become in, in Christ, right? And so we're going we're gonna to celebrate. We're going to have a great time today. At the end, you're going to have an opportunity to receive uh, Christ. You're going to have an opportunity to take your next step, to be baptized, if that's your next step. And what we ask is that you would just be obedient to the prompting of God. Whatever God prompts you to do, we ask that you would do. So today we're going to finish up this series, um, Heart and Soul. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If you don't have one, it'll be up on the screen. But what I want to do, I want to pray real quick, ask God that he would use the power of his word to speak to our hearts and change our lives. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity, the life that you've given us, um, God, through Jesus. And I pray, God, for those today who know you, who are um, just... Uh, in love with you, God, that you would speak to their hearts, that you would um, just increase, God, the love that they have for you. Um, God, just enliven our hearts with your word. I pray for those who don't know you, that they would um, have a revelation of who you are today, that you are not dead, but you are truly alive, that you're mighty to save in whatever obstacles, God, that are standing in their way of coming to you, Lord. I pray that you would remove those today. I thank you that you are almighty, that you are strong, and that nothing keeps you from your people. So I pray that you would draw us today, Lord. Speak to our hearts through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
Well, typically on a Sunday, I always try to start the message off with something just to kind of get you get you in, get you going, you know, kind of pull you in a story, something funny maybe. Um, and today I was really stumped. I was like, Lord, what should I tell them? Like, what story would, would go with this? I mean, what would set it up, God? What would help us to get this? And I really felt like what the Lord put in my heart was that this is the story, right? That what Jesus has done in the last five years really is the story of um, uh, that, that we need to hear today. It's the story of a God who redeems people, who takes people um, who should be far from him for eternity, and he brings them close to him for eternity. That's the story of this church and of what God's doing. Um, and, and the thing that I think impresses me the most is it's cool to see like all the people who stand and then everybody sits down and you're left with a handful of folks that started this thing out. And that's cool and that's awesome. And it's so good to see that. And it's so cool to see what God's done and what God is doing. But the thing that I think I love the most is the community that God's building. It's the people that God is bringing together and knitting their hearts together to to go as one person, literally heart and soul knit together by the power of the Holy Spirit, bound together by the gospel of Jesus. And to see God do that is absolutely incredible. I was thinking this morning about that and I walked outside and I kind of stood over on, on the side of the building and I thought about those days when we first started and, and, and just this handful of folks coming together, not really sure what was going to happen, thinking I'd probably be really um, broke and poor and have to like do something crazy to eat, you know, because I didn't know what happened. And now to see God's faithfulness in all of this is absolutely incredible. And as I stood out there and I watched all of you coming in and I watched the cars coming in, I watched people cooking hamburgers and hot dogs that smelled really good. I watched um, car after car. I watched people parking. I watched people greeting. I watched people pulling kids in with wagons. I see people being greeted from the parking lot all the way to the time that they sat down in a chair. And I realized like this is only something that God could do. This community of believers that God's building together is something that only God could do. It's a testimony to the reality of Jesus. It's not the work of any one person. And there's so many people I could thank and so many people I need to thank and, and, and thank and so many people that. I would forget if I tried to thank them all for being a part of this because not every day has been easy. Some days have been hard. Some days have been difficult. Some days I just wanted to just walk away. But there's two people who kept me in the game. One of them is my wife, Susan, and I want to thank her because she... She puts up with me. You see the best 45 to 50 minutes of me every week, right? She gets the rest. And so she puts up with me. She encourages me. She keeps me going. Um, She's always there to listen when I'm willing to talk. And and she's just there for me, right? And so she encourages me. And the next one I'd like to thank, man, is Jesus, right? Because if it weren't for Jesus, none of you would be sitting here today. Because over 13 years ago, he grabbed a hold of my life and he changed my heart. And he took a guy who was headed for destruction and he set him on a rock that would hold him for eternity. And his name is Jesus. And he changed my life. And if you don't know him today, and I'm not talking about church attendance. I'm not talking about putting on a good face. I'm not talking about putting your good clothes on and walking into a church door. I'm talking about if you don't know him in a personal relationship today is your day. You should accept his invitation that he would come to you today as he is pulling you to himself that you would say yes to that relationship. Because Jesus still changes hearts and he still changes lives and he's still building his church, the community of believers together to do incredible things for his name and for his 
kingdom. In fact, this is what I think we ought to do right now. I think we should praise Jesus for what he has done, what he is doing, and what he's going to do. You ready? One, two, three. Praise Jesus for what he's done and what he's going to do. Amen. Church, he is going to build his church, no matter what. He will not fail. He who began this good work in us is going to finish it. It is Jesus. And and he's building this community of people that will carry his name throughout the world um, to the ends of the earth with the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And he's inviting us to be a part of that, a part of that community. When we look at Genesis chapter 11, we see a community that's completely different. In fact, I would say that this community that was trying to build this tower of Babel, build this tower in this city that would be for them, is probably a lot more like what we see around us, isn't it? But when we become infected with the love of Jesus, when we become contagious with the love of God, there's a different community that begins to be created. That community, folks, is us. It's the people whose hearts have been changed by God. We see these people that represent so much of what we're left with if Jesus, if God doesn't intervene in our lives. As you begin to read this and you begin to see it, what we begin to see are selfish people who sought to serve themselves. Listen to verse 3 again. As these people were beginning to build this city, this is not too long after the flood, after God had judged the earth. It didn't take them long to begin to go back to their selfish, wicked ways. Because since the fall, that's been our nature. That's been our bent. That's where we tend to go. Verse 3 says that they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. And then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city. These people were looking at this, this city, this tower that they were going to build. And it was to serve them. It was to serve their needs. It was to serve their, their desires. And yet when Jesus comes into our life, something changes. In verse four, it says again, that they were taking everything that they had and they were using it to build something for themselves. They were using it to build their own kingdom. And you see that these were some greedy people trying to gain for themselves. It was about what can I get out of this? What can I get for me? Not looking to what other people needed or what other people uh, needed in their lives as far as healing or, or help. And they're looking, greedy people trying to gain for themselves. We see in this entitled people seeking to build their own kingdom. You can even read that in those verses in verse four. Come let us build ourselves a city, a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the earth. They were people who were trying to build their own kingdom, this little K kingdom, their own kingdom, apart from God, separated from God. Just say, let's build our own kingdom. Let's unite around this pagan idol and let it be our source of worship and the thing that unites us. God comes down and he scrambles their languages and he divides them. He splits them up. And I would tell you the best thing that God could have done for them. The most loving thing that God could have done was judge them the way he did so that they would be torn apart from their idols. Today, some of us need to be torn apart from the idols in our lives. These other little gods, little G's that we worship so we can know and live in the reality of the one true God. 
They were looking to build a name for themselves. They were entitled people, people seeking to build their own kingdom. Again, in verse 4, they're, they're seeking to build this place that was really going to become their place of worship. Towers were often built back in these days so there'd be a place of worship. They would literally worship these towers. These things would begin to unite them. And we see in these people that they were spiritually dead people seeking to find life apart from God. They were spiritually dead people seeking to find life apart from God. How many of us in here today are that way? That we're seeking to find life somewhere other than in Jesus. We're seeking to find life somewhere other than in God. It may be in our bank account. It may be in our husband. It may be in our wife. It may be in our boyfriend, our girlfriend. It may be in a sport. It may be in anything. We can set anything up as an idol and worship it as some pagan God. How many of us are spiritually dead because we're seeking to find life apart from God? And this community is selfish. This community that's building this tower, they're they're selfish, they're greedy, they're entitled, they're spiritually dead people. And they're living in disobedience to God. God never told them to come in and just to gather. He had told them, you need to scatter around the world. You need to fill the earth. You need to multiply and you need to fill it with my glory. And so they're disobedient people living selfishly, entitled, spiritually dead, apart from Jesus. And yet listen to this, listen to this verse. It says that when God came down and saw these people, he said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Is that not crazy? I would ask you, If that is true, that a people who were living for themselves, seeking to live apart from God, seeking to um, just serve themselves, living only for their good and for their glory. And God looks at them and says, if they are united, they'll be unstoppable. If that's true for them, then church, how much more true is that for a people who were surrendered to God, who love Jesus, who are full of the Holy Spirit, who are living for him, who have decided not to serve themselves, but to serve others, who have decided that I want to build the kingdom of Jesus, not my own kingdom. How much more unstoppable is that community, that group of believers? People, listen, we who are followers of Jesus have been filled with the spirit of God. Listen, there's a different community, another community that looks completely different from this community in Genesis chapter 11. And it's found in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. And I want you to listen to these verses and I want you to hear the difference in in the people and in this community. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We see in this a completely different community. A community of people that looks so opposite of that community of people that were seeking to build this Tower of Babel. Completely different. Polar opposites of one another. I would ask you, what happened 
What changed? I would tell you two things. One, his name is Jesus. It changed them. They were selfish people. Go read about the disciples that we lift up and we call them St. Peter and St. John. Go read about them before they knew Christ. They weren't good. And yet Jesus comes in and he changes their hearts and he cleanses them. He makes these defiled people clean so that they can then receive the Holy Spirit of God, that the Spirit of God can live in them, right? It begins to change them. The Holy Spirit, he comes and he begins to change them from the inside out. And Jesus had made these dirty people clean and the unrighteous righteous. He made these defiled temples into holy temples able to be inhabited by the Spirit of God. And it began to change their lives. So on the day of Pentecost, that's what we call Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. Listen to this. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I would tell you the distinguishing thing about this community of believers and about the community of believers in Genesis chapter 11 that was building the Tower of Babel is that one, they have been cleansed, forgiven, and made new through Jesus and they had been made new and empowered through the receiving of the Holy Spirit of God. And this Spirit of God came in for the first time to indwell believers, to indwell people who put their faith in Christ. And He began to live in them. And He began to change them from the inside out. See, here's what we do in American church is we try to change everything on the outside hoping that something on the inside will change. That doesn't work. We should have figured that out by now. Here's the thing I can tell you. When you come to faith in Christ and the Spirit of God begins to live in you, then things begin to change and they begin to change from the inside side to the outside. We can't fix us. If we could, we would have done it a long time ago. Jesus is the one who fixes. He's the one who changes. He doesn't say clean up your junk and then come to me. He says, come to me and I'll clean up your junk. You are powerless apart from him, but in him, you become a part of a community that is unstoppable, who is proclaiming the message of the gospel and who still has the power of this God who changes lives. That's what this God does. That's who this God is. And on the day of Pentecost, they received this power that began to change this community. Listen to what they were. They weren't were a divided people. No different, really, than the people at the Tower of Babel because that's our, that's our natural bent. That's our natural goal. That's where we go to. That's our natural go-to. We're just selfish people, right? We think about ourselves. The first person you think of typically when you wake up in the morning is who? You. Right? Before our feet hit the ground, the first person we typically think about is me. Unless you're in middle school and you got a girlfriend, you probably think about her, right? But other than that, you probably think about you. And we see this. But these people who were once divided became united people. You want to write something down? Write that down. Number one, divided people became united people. These people would no longer worship around dead idols. 
They would no longer just go through religious activity. They would no longer try to build towers and things that they could worship. They were dead. They couldn't speak. They were just mute. They would now come to a place where they would begin to worship and they begin to be united around the gospel. They begin to be united by the Holy Spirit and God was changing their lives. They were changing the community and he was changing the people around him in drastic numbers. Changing lives. This new community, it crossed racial boundaries. It crossed economic boundaries. And it crossed political boundaries. You saw people from every nation, from every tribe, from all, from all of the known world began to hear about the gospel and it began to produce fruit in their lives. And it began to change them and it began to pull them together. It began to make them heart and soul. And they weren't heart and soul around the name of any person other than Jesus. Listen, they weren't heart and soul because of the color of someone's skin. They were heart and soul because they knew they had all been bought by the price and the price was great and it was Jesus. And he shared his blood for them. So there was no distinction of color. There was no distinction of class. There was no other distinction other than the fact that we are all united together under the headship of Jesus to lift his name high and let him draw other people to himself. That's what we're drawn around. That's what we gather around. We're, we're no longer a divided people. We become united people. The second thing I would tell you that happened to them is selfish people became serving people. They quit being all about themselves. And I said, you know what? There are people around me who need to serve, who need to be served. There are people around me who need to know Jesus. And the best way I can be a tangible representation of Christ is to serve other people. We don't typically during our day get bombarded by people who want to serve. Why? It's not our nature. And until the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and begins to change our nature, we still don't want to serve other people. We still want to serve ourselves. And yet when we encounter the life-giving change of Jesus... He begins to make us all about serving. In fact, right now, there are about 550 people serving in some capacity as connectors in this church. You know why? Because Jesus has touched and changed their heart. And you can hear that number and you can say, well, if you got that many, you don't need me. No, we do need you because God created you uniquely and he's given you gifts to be used. And we need you to use your gifts to bring other people to him. And here's another reason you need to be serving and you need to be involved is because we can't be like Jesus if we're not serving other people, right? Our goal is to become like Christ. Jesus served. And he served nasty people. And this has always been and always will be a church where you don't have to wear a certain thing. You don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to smell a certain way. You don't have to not have tattoos. You don't have to not have been divorced. You don't have to not have anything other than a willing desire to come in and hear the gospel. It's a church that was going to continue to proclaim that, listen, you may be captive, but guess what? Jesus set the captives free. You may be spiritually blind, but guess what? Jesus opened the eyes of the blind. You may be hurting, but Jesus healed the wounded. And today I would tell you this, if you'll give your life to Christ, he'll do the same for you. And then you know what? It doesn't mean life's going to be comfortable, but it'll mean that you belong to the king. And that king will get you through anything. And the spirit of God will empower you to no longer be about you, but to be about other people. Another thing we see in this text in 2, 42 through 47 is they were sharing everything. Everything was in common. And here's the thing that you see in this. Greedy people became generous people. We know they were greedy. They used to fight over who was going to sit at Jesus' right hand in the new kingdom. They were still thinking about themselves, but these greedy people became generous people. 
Jesus made people possessed with possessions in the people whose greatest joy was being the possession of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There's no greater thing than knowing that I am possessed by Jesus, that I am owned by Jesus, that I was bought, that I was paid for through the blood of Jesus and that he holds me and that my loving heavenly father holds me in his hand, that no one can take me from him, but that I have him for eternity. God became the greatest prize and they became his prize possession and they became generous because they realized all of the grace that Jesus had given them. Church, I want to tell you, we, we, we had one of the missionaries that we support overseas in Guatemala. She had to raise um, some, or she had to need to get some pajamas. The, the children, the orphanage she works at, they didn't have pajamas. And she said, I need 59 pairs of pajamas. Do you think you can do that? I was like, we better be able to do that. If we can't do that, we're quitting, right? We're stopping because that's ridiculous that 59 kids wouldn't have enough pajamas when my children have more pajamas than they'll ever wear. I don't know why they can't wear the same ones the next night, right? I'm like, we will get pajamas. And so we sent it out to our connect groups. We sent over 200 pair of pajamas to Guatemala. That's pretty awesome. That's, that's being generous. That's saying, you know what? I can spare this $12 to go and buy these pajamas. I can do this. I, you know what? I, I will be blessed to know that some child tonight will sleep in a pair of pajamas because I was willing to go and do that. I've seen generosity in this church through all of the service days we've done. Through you going out and giving of your time and your resources to make this stuff happen. I've seen generosity. I've seen hearts changed by Jesus. I've seen you pour out your life. I've seen you pour out your finances. I've seen you pour out all of your resources to see other people touched and blessed and reached by Jesus. So that you can be a tangible representation. You've heard us talk a lot about Justin and Elena Pay and the, the kidney transplant that they had. And they've come through it fine. They're both here at church today. It's awesome to see them. You've heard um, us talk about Bill and Natasha Edenfield, um, Natasha battling cancer. And we put out a plea for you to say, listen, let's, let's, let's help them pay for these medical bills. Let's help them pay. I think Justin told me that, that, that the part that they owe on their medical bills was like $200,000. That's with insurance, right? It's like, oh my gosh. And so we, 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 we began to cry out and say, listen, praying that the Lord will use us to, to help them. In one night, we raised over $7,100 to give to Justin, Elena, and Bill and Natasha. That's not counting the coffee that you bought. That's not counting the Boston butts you're going to buy. That's not counting all of the fundraisers. That's not counting the people who, other than that one night, just sent in a check for $1,000, $1,500, $2,000 to say, listen, we want to help. That's generous hearts. That's people whose lives have been changed by God. We don't naturally do that. It's Jesus changing our lives and creating a community that goes from being greedy to generous so that God's kingdom can move forward. Another thing we see is people went from being kingdom people, small K, to being kingdom people, big K. They begin to care more about building God's kingdom than their own comfort. They became to be more um, about building God's kingdom rather than building their own. I would tell you this, it's not about Connection Church. Connection Church should have a little C. It's about the big C church reaching people. 
We should care way more about God's kingdom being built than we do our own church kingdom. We should care way more about God's kingdom being built than I do my own personal kingdom. These people's hearts were changed and transformed. And this is what I know as we become a people who consistently yield to the spirit of God and we come about building his kingdom. God is going to continue to move and work in the lives of people. All of these people who were spiritually dead apart from God, became alive people in Christ. They went from death to life. In the last five years, we've seen 315 people go from death to life as they place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. 315 people whose eternities have been altered by Jesus. We should probably clap, yeah. And I would tell you, these are not people who raise their hands with every eye closed and every head bowed. These are people who are willing to go talk to one of our prayer people about the decision that they're making and, and to be able to tell us what they were doing and why they were doing it. It doesn't count rededications. It doesn't count people who've turned their hearts back to the Lord. But we've been blessed to see dead people becoming alive people. And this is what I would tell you, church. Jesus still saves people today. He still changes hearts today. He's still transforming lives today when we will yield to his power. Right now, I want you to watch a video that is about one of the people in our church who Jesus transformed radically, transformed his life. Check this video out. I have horrible anxiety, or I had horrible anxiety. When I sat with Christ... That was the biggest crowd I was ever in front of in my entire life outside of prison. I started sweating, shaking, couldn't breathe. But something in my heart said, stand up, you moron. And I did. Before Christ, I couldn't love nothing or nobody. And I couldn't let nothing or anybody love me. Me and my fiance, Melissa Roberts had no cars we had no food we were staying at the deluxe inn which if you know that motel you know it's a roach motel only thing we had was one another we had no hope or anything close to it the day that I got saved started with a phone call from Don Baldwin hey it's Sunday you going to church said of course not I said are you sure said, of course I am. Five minutes later, Don picked up my fiance. Also, he picked me up. He said, you're going. I didn't say no. I don't know why. Just something about it was right. I trusted him. First time in my life, I trusted another man. So I went to a church called Connection Church at Statesboro High School. I was scared out of my mind. I walked in and all these people were so happy to see me, but I was so scared to see them. I was accepted instantly, but I wanted to be rejected. I couldn't make myself walk no farther than the very back row. I sat down and just people kept coming and they kept coming and they kept coming. And I remember looking over at Don and I told him I can't do it. It's too many. These people keep coming. How many people believe in God? 
Don said, just sit here. He won't let you down. I thought he was talking about him or myself. Well, Brandon started preaching, and I felt like the man was sitting on my chest, screaming in my face, Hey, Jesus loves you. He asked at the end of the service, Anybody want to accept Christ and come from death to life? And I heard my voice in my head say, Don't mess this up. And I stood up in front of all these people, and, and as soon as I did, Brandon says, This guy's scared of people, but he stood up. And I almost passed out. Don caught me, and I went to the back and prayed with Billy. And Billy was telling me, I never met him, but Billy was telling me how much that he appreciated my story and me accepting Christ, that he loved me. And I remember thinking to myself, Don, this guy told me he loved me. What's wrong with this? And then I realized, out of nowhere, that I loved him and everybody in that church. And I loved life. I love Christ. I didn't even know what or who he was. Then when I learned that God sent him here for my sins, for our sins, like I was forgave. Nobody ever told me I was forgiven. Nobody ever told me I was loved. But God did that day. The night after I set the Christ, came home and Don took us out to a celebration lunch and Don said, boy, you better be ready for it. Put your seatbelt on. You're about to get on a roller coaster. Well, not even four hours after that, Melissa had Don take her to the hospital. She was there for, I'm not kidding, eight to ten hours. She found out that night that she was pregnant for my first baby boy. The next day, we went to the health department to confirm it. The woman said, congratulations, you're pregnant. And I passed out. Big, rough, tough, tattooed Jeremy Parrish couldn't even take a blessing from God. At that time, I didn't know. So like Don said, the roller coaster started. I found out, ready or not, I was going to be responsible for another human being. So I prayed, Lord, prepare me. Lord, be with me. And he responded to me. And the way he responded was, next thing I know, we had two vehicles. Next thing I know, I had a great job. The guy has a great house. Next thing I know, my, my girlfriend is my wife. And my wife loves me. Next thing I know, it's August 24th, 2012, at 6.15 a.m., my son was born. I realized at that moment of time how much God loved me. To give up his only son for somebody like me, I couldn't even walk away from my son for him to give him a shot. But he gave up his son so we could have a chance to know him. How awesome is that? So then the, the big bad Jeremy wasn't so big or bad no more. It was all goo-goos and gagas. It was all baby toys and diaper time. Was I ain't good with diapers, but I try. I'm not. I wasn't good with nothing, but now I'm great. I wasn't a person you ever wanted to know, but now I'm a father. I'm so blessed to say that I'm saved.
People, Jesus still saves people. He still changes lives. He's still working in the hearts of man. I think a lot of us are like these people in Genesis chapter 11. We're always trying to build our way to God. We're trying to build something to the heavens. We're trying to make a name for ourselves. And God is reaching out his hand saying, if you will take my hand, I will bless you. I will be a greater father to you than you could have ever possibly known. I will change your life. I will give you a new heart. I will put my spirit within you and your life will be different for eternity. It's interesting, as they try to build this tower and build this city, they're trying to build this tower to the heavens, and God came down to them in, a, in, a, in judgment, and he scattered them. But then when Jesus came, when God came in Christ, he didn't come in judgment, he came in grace. And he came not to divide, he came to unite. And he came to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to take our sin upon his body so that it could be punished, so that he could be our substitute so that you and I wouldn't have to be punished. So that we wouldn't have to endure the wrath of God. So there would be a way for you and I to bridge this gap that sin created between us and our Heavenly Father so that God could impart His blessing into our lives so that we could come to a place where we say, yes, Jesus is my Savior and Jesus is my Lord. He is Savior because He gave His life and He is Lord because He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake and I trust Him. Here's where we're at today, guys. So many of us have been in church and we've been playing games and we've been putting on masks and we've been playing the part. Yet Jesus would just say, will you come to me? Will you let me be your Savior? Will you let me be your Lord? I'm knocking, I'm pulling, I'm drawing. All you do is say, yes, you just receive the invitation. That's what you do. You receive the invitation that Jesus is putting on your heart as he's drawing you to himself. And here's what I want to ask. There is no greater way to celebrate five years of this church than to to, to see happen what we started this church to happen. People who are far from God coming near. Unbelievers being connected to God. And I want to ask you right now. I want to ask you to take a bold step and say, yes, I need Christ. I need Jesus. I need the salvation of Jesus in my life. I need to know him. I don't know him. I want to know him. I want to be known by God. I want to be in a relationship with God. And I'm going to ask you to be very bold. And I'm going to ask you in just a second, I want you to stand to your feet. Just stand up and let us celebrate with you. Let us welcome you into the family of God. Let us pray with you. Let us be a part of your life as you've come into this family, this community of believers. They're united around the gospel gone from greedy to generous whose hearts and lives have been transformed to serve other people we've gone from death to life spiritually alive so here's what i'm asking if you're here today and don't do it for me do it because god is drawing you to himself today you would say i need a relationship with jesus i'm gonna ask you right now will you stand to your feet and say i need christ right now will you stand and just say it your heart's beating 100 miles an hour. You know the Lord is drawing you to himself. Amen. 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 Come on, church. 
Praise God. Amen. Man, that takes courage. And only God can move in our hearts and make us do that. Listen, we're going to pray. We want to pray with you. I'm going to ask you right now. Man, you, you guys are bold. And I, I am. Man, that is awesome. And I'm going to ask you, if you would go, we might not ever finish this. Just go to my left, your right. Let us pray with you, if you will. If you, if you don't want to go by yourself, take somebody with you. I promise, man. They're going to pray with you. We want to help you take next steps. If, if there's somebody next to you that you know or don't know, if they just look nice, grab them. Y'all go out the door. And we're going to celebrate salvation today. Salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Praise God. Hey, listen, 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 listen. That's awesome. But listen, we're not quite done. We're not quite done. And we're, we're going over today. I'm just going to tell you we're going over today. We're not quite done. Some of you don't need to take your first step, right? You've taken that. But some of you need to take your next step. And here's the reality. Some of you, today is the day you need to be baptized. Today is the day that you go public with this decision that you've made. Listen, some of us need to make this outward public statement of our identity and our spiritual reality of Jesus in our lives. Some of us need to to take this step of baptism and say, yes, I am a Jesus follower. Some of us need to identify ourselves with Christ today. We need to come and we need to say, Jesus, I identify myself with Jesus' death and resurrection. I'm I'm going under this water, a dead person, representing a dead person that's dead in sin. And I'm coming up alive. That water, going under the water and coming back up, it represents new life, the new life we found in Christ. We're going to identify ourselves. With Jesus is cleansing the salvation and forgiveness. As we go under the water, it symbolizes coming up clean. Being made right and pure in Christ. Given a righteousness that's not our own. But we become righteous in Him. As He cleanses us. It's saying that Jesus, we're identifying with His Lordship and saying, God, I'll follow you even when it's not convenient. Even when I, 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 I don't feel like it, God. I'm going to be about your kingdom, not my kingdom. I recognize you are Lord of my life. And you sit in that place of authority over me. You need to understand this is your decision of lordship. It's not your parents' decision. Some of us, including my oldest son, we were in a church that baptized infants at the time. But here's the reality. One day my son needs to confirm that decision. He needs to be baptized. That was a special moment for you or for your parents. But listen, for you, some of you today need to be baptized because it's your decision. We believe in believers' baptism. We believe that when you come to faith in Christ, you Get baptized. It's your decision to say Jesus is my Lord. We don't go uh, to spend eternity with Jesus because of the faith of our parents or our grandparents. We go to spend eternity with Jesus because we made him our personal Lord and Savior. And it's our identification with Jesus' community of believers, the church. It's saying I am a part of a family of believers. Not just a little C local church, but I'm a part of this huge movement of Jesus that's taking place across the earth, across the world. And this is what I know. Some people here today need to be baptized. I want to show you one more video, one more quick video about people 
who over the last five years have made that decision. Check this one out. Today is the day we draw the line in the sand and we respond to God's prompting. You just heard the gospel. You just heard what baptism is for. You don't need another class. You need to respond to God's prompting today. Straight ahead on the path we have before us Day by day, soon the change will come Don't you know we took a big step forward Just lead away and we pull the trigger No getting that back in back to To the old school To the old grounds It's all about the new found We are the new born The world know all about us There's some people here today who today is a day you need to become 365, right? You need to be baptized. And we say it's not about the number, but it is. It's about the next one. It's about the fact that every number represents a name. Every name has a soul and every soul is going to spend eternity somewhere. And so right now, this is what I'm going to ask you. I'm asking you, should you be baptized today? And I'm going to give you three questions. And if, if you answer these yes, yes, no, then today's your day to be baptized. You don't even have to pray about it because it's in God's word. Number one is this. Have I put my faith in Jesus as my Savior? Have I put my faith in Jesus as my Savior? Number two, have I surrendered my life to Jesus as Lord? Have I put my faith in Jesus? Have I surrendered my life to Jesus as Lord? And number three, have I been baptized as a believer? Publicly identifying myself with Christ. If the answer is yes, I put my faith in Jesus. Yes, I made Jesus my Savior and my Lord. But no, I have not been baptized as a believer. Today is your next day. Some of you came today, or your next step is today to be baptized. Some of you came today not realizing that when you walked in the doors of this church, you were going to be baptized today. We've got clothes, we've got a place to change, we've got hair product, whatever you need, right? Today is the day for many of you to take your next step and be baptized, publicly identifying yourself with Jesus. Is it yes, yes, no? Then be baptized. Be obedient and take your next step. We've already seen the boldness of these people who receive Christ. I'm going to ask you to be bold. In just a minute, I'm going to count to three. I don't know how many is going to respond. I don't know who's going to respond. This is the thing I would tell you, though. If you know today that Jesus is pounding on your heart and saying you need to be baptized, then you get up and I want you to walk down here to the front and we're going to celebrate again what God is doing, how Jesus is moving in people's hearts because today you're going to take your next step in obedience to Christ. So I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, 
you start coming, church, you start clapping, and let's celebrate people today who are giving, going public, saying, I am Christ, and He is mine. One, two, three. Let's start moving. guys for being bold enough to take your next step. Thank you for responding to the gospel and Jesus' prompting. What an awesome God we serve. And today we celebrate the fact that you have gone from death to life. You put your faith in Jesus. That Jesus is yours and you are his. You are his possession. And he is yours for eternity. I pray that every day of your life you would seek to draw your joy from the salvation that Jesus has given you. And that you never forget what not, not that you live in your past, but you never forget what Jesus brought you from, right? And what Jesus saved you from. This is awesome. Awesome, awesome, man. Ah.